now with the latest from the world of technology this is the tech guide podcast with stephen fennick thanks for listening thanks for downloading once again tech guide. well without a doubt the biggest tech story of the week tech guide. it's a very competitive market the smartphone market keeping you updated and educated this is a device that combines a tablet a laptop and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 240. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views and reviews. Thanks for listening once again and thank you for downloading. First time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoyed the show. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we're going to round up the rumours ahead of the Samsung Galaxy S8 launch. And there's a new way to pay to tap and go with your sunglasses. And we're going to check out the new Tag Heuer smartwatch. In the Tech Guide interview, we're going to speak to D-Link's Graham Reardon about the modem and router company's 30th anniversary. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Seoul Republic's Amp Air wire-free earphones and also the Razer Blade gaming laptop. And we'll finish it off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company that keeps you and your family safe online. A massive show to get through, so let's get cracking. Well, first up, we're going to be discussing the Galaxy S8. There's an event in New York on March the 29th, which will be early March 30th in Australia, in Sydney time, be early morning, early hours of the morning. And we are going to be there, actually. Tech Guide will be in attendance. We are going over there for the launch. And it is, we're assuming, of course, the Samsung didn't release any phones at the recent Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, so we know that it's going to be their new flagship smartphone announcement. And judging by the numbering system, we're up to the Galaxy S8. And apart from the name, which we can assume they're going to keep uh, in that order, there's not much we know. There's plenty of rumours about, though, which we're going to talk about in a minute. The Galaxy S8 is the first device that Samsung has released since the dramas of the Note 7. So this event is not only significant because they're producing a new flagship device, it's also the world looking at this, the company's next move. How? What's the next play after the dramas of the Note 7? How are they going to get themselves out of that, bring, bring themselves back to the top of the market again? This thing needs to be a home run. And from what we're hearing, the rumours are pretty positive about the device and its features. Uh, let's start off with what we're going to see. Uh, it, it, we're going to see actually two devices. There'll be an S8 and an S8 Plus. So one is reportedly going to have a 5.8-inch display, and the other is going to have a 6.2-inch display. Now, they sound really big, but to accommodate that larger screen, they're going to have a, a narrower and longer shape. They're going to have the an 18 by 9 aspect ratio, similar to what LG did with the G6 that they unveiled at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. That allows a larger screen to fit in what would usually be a smaller device. 
So in LG's case, they fit a 5.7-inch screen into a 5.3-inch body. And that's, I think, what Samsung's going for here. To help accommodate that, to make room for the screens, they're going to get rid of the home screen, we understand. So there'll be a virtual home screen. So they're going to introduce like a 3D touch-type feature. So a long press on the screen could be, become your virtual home button to get you back to your home page. The fingerprint reader, which is normally housed in the home button, is what we're hearing going to be relocated on the back panel, on the rear of the device, just beneath the camera lens. So the, the screen itself is actually going to have... Remember last year they had the S7 and the S7 Edge. The S7 Edge had that curved screen, and the S7 just had the flat screen. Well, what we're going to see here is actually a combination of that, so there's going to be no edge model as such, but the all the devices are going to have a curved display, so it's going to be not quite as as dramatic as what we saw with the edge model, but uh, more more pronounced than the flat de device, but not quite as big as the as the edge. So something in between. So there'll be no edge model because all models are going to have the same curved edge screen. In fact, Samsung has apparently trademarked the term infinity display so expect that that uh, to be talked about at the at the event camera wise not going to see much difference it's going to be a 12 megapixel dual pixel sensor uh, and the s7 camera was fantastic so if they, they continue the quality along that, those lines uh, i don't have a problem with that uh, we're going to see likely going to be powered by a, the qualcomm snapdragon 835 processor it's going to have four gig of ram as well Internal memory. Uh, I'm hearing a couple of things here. One is that it's going to have 64 gig, uh, but I've also heard whispers that it might be uh, as high as 256 gig on board, and it will still have a memory card slot. So imagine 256 gig of memory, toss in an additional 256 gig micro SD card, you're carrying more than half a terabyte around in your phone, which I think would be a big, big bonus for customers there. But uh, that won't be official, of course, until we see the device in New York. The uh, It'll be also running the Android 7 Nougat operating system, as well as Samsung have their own little user interface on top. What the phone won't have, it won't have the Google Assistant, you know, the voice-activated assistant. The reason for that is because Samsung is actually going to introduce its very own voice-activated assistant. You know how Siri is on the iPhone, Google Assistant is on the Pixel, I think the LG G6 is going to have it as well. Well, the S8 is going to have its own assistant, and it's going to be called, reportedly, it's going to be called Bixby. And Bixby will have artificial intelligence on board to really get to know the user and become a really handy virtual assistant so that they'll get to know your habits, where you go, when you go there, what you do, and it will be your your sidekick, if you like, your this artificial assistant. Bixby is its name. Uh, I'm hearing, too, that the new S8 will still have a headphone jack. For those up in arms about the about the iPhone and, and more recently the HTC Ultra ditching the headphone jack, well, I think Samsung are going to stick true here and keep the headphone jack. It doesn't save a lot of space. I think there's a lot of people thought that Apple ditched it because they wanted to make the phone razor thin. Well, it didn't really save much space at all. It probably saved like 0.1 of a millimeter if you remove it. I don't think that uh, there is much... Uh, in the way of design uh, design benefits there. So uh, I think Samsung is going to stick with that, uh, with the headphone jack. 
on the battery side, we're going to see a the the smaller device that'll have a three thousand milliamp hour battery. The S eight plus will have a thirty five thousand milliamp hour capacity, and they'll also be powered through a USB C port. They'll have fast charging contactless charging as well and they'll also be water resistant of course it'll have an ip68 rating which is the same as the galaxy s7 now when are we going to see the devices the launch as i said is the early morning march 30 australian time in in new york it's gonna be march 29 at 11 a.m and so late March means likely a mid to late April launch uh, in stores. So what I'm anticipating is that a week later, so maybe early April, there will be pre-orders. So pre-sales will kick off and then it will go on sale in Australia on one of two dates. The dates that I keep hearing are April 17 or April 28. Whatever way we look at it, it's going to be on sale before the end of April. So not long to wait for Samsung's new flagship device. And this is, as I said, the eyes of the world are going to be on Samsung to see what they come up with uh, now that the dust has settled from the Note 7 problems. It's going to be interesting to see how Samsung handle this launch and uh, what the reactions are going to be. But uh, just judging by those rumors, it seems pretty positive. The device uh, looks pretty cool. There's a couple of mock-ups. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the mock-ups. And I, I, I can imagine Samsung have really gone to town with the design. If you want to check those rumors out, and also the mock-up pictures, you can find that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The tap and go contactless payment uh, convenience is something that Aussies really enjoy. In fact, I understand that Australians, on average, use tap and go contactless payment technology more than any other country in the world. So we love we love it, and it makes sense then to to think that we've also come up with the latest way to tap and go, and that is with a pair of sunglasses. An Australian startup, Inamo, unveiled the Wave Shades. This is a new contactless payment sunglasses with the payment chip on the inside of one of the arms of the sunglasses. They unveiled that at South by Southwest in uh, in Texas. And it was alongside global payments giant Visa. So Visa are getting behind this. Their their brand is on it. And uh, it is the first of its kind. And interestingly enough, it was an Aussie invention. In fact, the founder of Anamo, Peter Colbert, he was a former agent to a lot of the top-line surfers in Australia and a, and a surfer himself. And it the idea came to him after a surf with some of his mates and it was his turn to pay for the coffees, and he realized he never had a wallet or anything to pay uh, or cash to pay for them. So he thought to himself, wouldn't it be great to come up with a way to pay for something without carrying a phone and without carrying my actual wallet? And the result of that was another product called the Inamo Curl, which we actually, we've tested out. There's pictures of on our story that's our our Inamo Curl we're testing. And basically it's a, a small rubberized device with a couple of loops on the end so you can actually wear it on your watch. You can wear it on your wearable. You can put it on your key ring. And it's got a small chip that looks like a SIM card that's linked to an account that you top up when you want. So it's not with a bank. It's just, it's through Inamo. And it then allows you to 
make payments on the go. I've been using it. It's really convenient. You can top it up. You can get low balance warnings as well. And that's the technology. That's at, at the heart of it. That All that technology is what they packed into the wave shade. So the Anama Cool was the initial product, and they've, they've uh, adapted it so that it fits on the arm of the sunglasses. So you just whip off the sunnies, tap the arm of the sunnies on the terminal, and you've made a payment. Really handy. That Anamo Curl is designed to kind of turn, it can turn any object, uh, in, you can clip it onto an object and all you do is just, just hover it over the payment terminal and you've made a payment. So if you've got an, an ordinary watch, you can turn it into a smart watch by sticking this curl on the, on the side of the band and then just waving it over the terminal to make payment. So you don't need technically a smart watch connected to a phone to make a payment. You can do it with the Enamo curl. It's also waterproof too. So you can literally walk out of the surf with this thing strapped to your wrist and then go over over to the coffee shop and buy yourself a coffee and pay for it without a phone, without a mobile, without a without a wallet, with nothing of that of the sort, nothing of that in sight. But the Anamo Curl is all you need. The Wave Shades, really cool new invention, and an Aussie company that did it as well. If you want to check that story out and see the pictures of the Wave Shades and that Anamo Curl we've just been speaking about, you can check it out techguide.com.au. Well, if you're a fan of watches, then you've definitely heard of the Tag Heuer brand. It's a luxurious Swiss watchmaker. They do come up with some amazing watches that cost several thousand dollars and uh, very popular indeed. And what they've done is they've actually come up with not their first, but also but their second smartwatch. The Connected Modular 45 is the, the watchmaker's second attempt at the smartwatch. The first was very successful too, but they've just revealed the new device, and it was created in association with Intel. Intel uh, collaborated with Tag Heuer in the first for the first smartwatch, but the connected modular 45 is also uh, they're also involved with it as well. It's got a 1.39 AMOLED touchscreen display, and it's covered with sapphire glass and encased in titanium. So you're getting the typical high-end Tag Heuer design. So it looks outwardly looks like a normal Tag watch really high quality high end product and but internally you're getting the smarts of a smartwatch and and it's running Android Wear 2.0 and it's also got built in th- Wi-Fi built in Bluetooth GPS NFC so you can make payments so you can go for a run navigate your a route or pay for something uh, and you don't need to be paired to a smartphone it can do all that on its own uh, it's got its own companion app as well. So apart from having Android Wear 2.0, the companion app is also handy to access all the features on board from your phone. So uh, what the companion app allows you to do, it, it, it's, it's designed to really get to know the user, gets to know your schedule and keeps track of your calendar so that it makes sure that you're on track for the day, can remind you that you need to get moving for your next meeting, things like that. And uh, I mentioned already it's got Android Pay on board as well. So if you've got a compatible a bank that's, uh, you, that's cooperating with Android Pay, then you can use your credit card. It, uh, you can program that into the watch and then make a payment on the move. The Tag Heuer Connected Modular 45. Now, there are a lot of options to customize the, the watch as well. There are 56 different versions. So there's 11 standard 
in-store versions, 45 on request. So you can add modules and horns and bracelets and buckles and all kinds of variations. So it's up to you. If you're paying this much money for a smartwatch, you're entitled to get it the way you like it. The Tag Hoyer Connected Modular 45 is available now. You can go to specialty watch stores, major retailers. It's priced at US dollars. It's US 1,600, so about two and a half Australian dollars if you're interested in rocking the new Tag Hoyer Connected Modular 45 smartwatch. If you want to check that out, you can do that. There's pictures and our story at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. We live in a world where our connected devices have become an indispensable tool in our lives. Introducing Netgear's Nighthawk X10 Smart Wi-Fi Router. Built using the latest in Wi-Fi technology, the X10 allows users to get faster Wi-Fi speeds on multiple devices simultaneously and is perfect for streaming 4K, VR and super fast data transfers. The Nighthawk X10 Wi-Fi router is also built to meet the needs of today's connected home. From connected deadbolts, smart lights and Arlo Wi-Fi cameras, the four powered active antennas reduce interference and intelligently direct Wi-Fi across large distances. The, you can With the latest 11AC and 11AD network technology, you get wireless transfer speeds of up to 4.6 gigabits per second. This means 4K video will take seconds, not minutes, to transfer. The Nighthawk X10 is also the first route with Plex Media Server. So Plex organizes all of your video, music, and photo collections and gives you instant access to your content using an always-on router. Wireless to stream 4K video to any device, jitter-free for the ultimate family movie night. The Nighthawk Netgear's X10 Smart Router contains a quad-core processor for unparalleled speed and power to keep up with your fast-paced lifestyle. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Nighthawk X10, the world's fastest Wi-Fi router. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Our interview this week on the Tech Guide podcast is with D-Link's Australian and New Zealand Managing Director, Graham Reardon, and the occasion is the fact that the company is turning 30. Yes, the company, it's the 30th anniversary of D-Link. My memories of D-Link go back to the, the dial-up days where I had a 14.4K modem that I actually talked to Graham about in a minute. You'll hear that interview. But the company's come a long way and seen a lot of changes in the way we connect uh, the way companies connect. So they've, they've really produced many uh, impressive products over the years, and we thought we'd sit down with Graham to we'll take a little bit of a stroll down memory lane and see how far the company's come in 30 years. Here's what he had to say earlier. Well, hi, Graham. Thanks for joining me. This year, D-Link is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Well, that would make it 1987 that the company was started when... Was the internet even thought of back then? Like, oh, the, how did we start this? Yeah, in the, uh, in, the, in the back of someone's mind, I'm sure. But uh, we actually started in a small backyard uh, in a garage in Taiwan uh, with a couple of people. In fact, in fact, it was a group of seven friends in, uh, in total. Uh, and they wanted to create a uh, what's called a NIC card. You probably remember back in the day, the very first computers were getting connected to, to small networks, not the internet, just yep. small networks talking to each other. 
and so they formed the company um, called D-Link at that point in time. Yeah, I think my earliest memory of D-Link is my creaky old 14.4k modem yep. that made all these kinds of cheeps and twerks when it was the, the handshake. So I've got a memory of D-Link for quite some time, and, and as have you. But geez, you must there must have been some amazing changes uh, that the company kind of rode the wave of the internet, really, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think every year there's some sort of innovation that's come out, whether it's from dealing for the industry. And, you know, we obviously like to be at the forefront, um, you know, of that and make sure that we're involved in those. So whether it's, uh, like you said, the, the move from uh, 14.4K up to 56, which was a huge leap in yeah. speed at that time, and then obviously on to ADSL and more recently, obviously, with uh, with VDSL and fibre with NBN, um, you know, all of those networks underpin things. But, uh, of course, the big change really has been in, in the wireless side of things, mm-hmm. you know, over the last 10 or 15 15 years since uh, since that to 11 g came out, B, I should say, yeah, came out. Yeah, well, I think now we, we, it'd be safe to say that I don't think there's ever been a time where people aren't paying more attention to their wireless network. I, I like to call it the Netflix effect because Absolutely. it is it is a time when people are actually paying attention to the quality of their Wi-Fi, they want to stream content. Have you, have you seen that in the last couple of years where people are actually paying attention and, and looking at better products to improve their network? A hundred percent. You know, I think that we were very excited when we heard about the, I think it was March or April 2014 from memory, uh, you know, when we saw them come out both here and in New Zealand. Um, and we were very excited. Um, me personally, you know, I've got five kids, so uh, a little bit of extra content yeah. is always wonderful to keep them, uh, keep them busy. <laughs> uh, but absolutely, we've seen a huge spike, you know, in terms of higher-end Wi-Fi because people just don't have the capability to get good quality HD or 4K streaming into their into their TV because normally you know the TV is a long way away from where their internet connection comes into the house. So yeah. um, good quality Wi-Fi is a key thing to, to help that happen. In, uh, in well, speaking of that, in in this age where uh, the, the the rise of the smartphone and mobile devices, the the it's one thing to have a great device, but without a wireless platform. The device is useless. Absolutely. To coin a phrase, the network is the platform. Yes. Uh, you know, I've used that for many years, and it really is more and more so these days. You know, we've all got these great new devices, um, and they've all got Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or some type of wireless connectivity, um, unless you've got the right platform to be able to support that. And, and what we've seen now is that there's just so many devices in people's home and businesses to some degree that require that. So it's not just about the speed to one device anymore, you know, like the computer to check emails or to surf the web. It's actually many devices on the network at one time all doing different things, whether it is checking email, whether it is surfing the web, whether it is having a couple of TVs on Netflix or streaming a, um, you know, a video from YouTube onto your phone or tablet. All of these things are happening at once, and that's where we've seen a you know, big need from customers to have not only great quality Wi-Fi but also the speed and range that yeah. that requires as well. Let's, uh, well, it is the 30th anniversary of the company, so let's take a little bit of a walk down memory lane. What are, what are some of the biggest changes? In your, and you've been in the in, in the business for a while, not necessarily dealing for 30 years. You don't look that old. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> what, what, are, what are some of the big things that you've seen, these massive shifts over, those, over that period of time? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I recall was absolutely the jump to... Let's, in, let's inverted commas, even though we've, uh, you know, we're on, uh, not on TV here, but inverted commas, yes. broadband. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously that was a huge shift. People suddenly could start to get you know, 64K, 128K uh, you know, DSL connections, certainly in this country, and it's been over 10 years now. Yeah, um, but and, that was... and always on connection. Absolutely. Like, I can remember 
my wife knocking on the door saying, get off the internet, I need yep. to use the phone. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I worked for an ISP back when that jump happened and we had a uh, you know relatively large room full of banks of modems yep. that just would wire up and you'd hear them you know doing all that chirping and there was hundreds of them in a room yep. for every connection coming through. Yep. So when we then moved to, to DSL or ADSL at that point in time, you know, having a single box that could take 64 connections, uh, you know, and no noise was fantastic. Um, but obviously it was really the speed and what you could do with that speed, um, you know, is, is clearly the key point. From there, obviously, you know, in the last sort of five to ten years, it's been all, all around MBN, but yes. even prior to that, it was really around the iPhone. You know, when the iPhone came out, with all due respect to their competitors, the fact is people wanted to stream content to it. It's a content it's a content consumption device, and obviously the iPad and the iPad mini and things like that, and, and then all of the other tablets from all the other manufacturers have come out behind that, all providing content consumption uh, requirements. And so coming back to the home again, people want to watch their TV. I've got a three-year-old who wants to watch ABC Me. You know, yeah. I've got a, a seven-year-old that wants to watch the soccer. I've got an 18-year-old that wants to do something yeah. else. You know, they don't watch TV anymore, do they? They watch, no, device. right. they watch devices. They do, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it's in, in well, 30 years now. What, what, what's, what's the future hold? What's the next? What are we going to see in the next 30 years? You mentioned the NBN. Yep. And that's nearing completion if, you, if they're on schedule. Sure, sure. So, uh, what, what, what's next? Like, how, how fast is fast enough? And well, you know, there's a, there's a big political argument there. I probably won't be drawn into it today, Steve. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard the rumours in the last few days that people don't need it, um, you know, and they're not prepared to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, so my personal belief is that uh, the faster the better. You know, I believe that we should have a fantastic infrastructure in this country for our kids, um, you know, and our future generations. And, you know, what normally happens is we find ways to use it in my, yeah. you know, in my experience. So, so if you build it, they'll come kind of thing, isn't a- a- absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Spot on. And in, in terms of... Uh, uh, D-Link, the, the, the health of the company now. Company's doing well. Great products are out at the moment, and an exciting year ahead too. I understand. It, it is. I mean, across all of our different product segments, from you know from Powerline to the new, newly released Omni that we just launched yes. with Apple HomeKit only yeah. last week, uh, you know, to our latest generation uh, modem routers that are coming out. Uh, so, from a product perspective, it's very exciting. And then on the SMB side or on the business side, we've got some big announcements coming in a couple of months as well to really help small business owners have a seamless experience with their Wi-Fi and surveillance needs as well. So we've got a fantastic year ahead. Uh, the last few years have been great as well. We're seeing good growth. Um, you know, and our, our customers have been happier with us than ever, uh, which is always important as well. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on the 30th anniversary, and here's to the next 30 years. Appreciate your time, Graham. Thanks a lot, Steve. Good on you. Tech guy now. A Tech Guide Review with Stephen Fennick. Okay, kicking off our reviews this week are the Soul Republic's Amps Air. Now, these are wire-free earphones. And by wire-free, I mean that they're not just Bluetooth. There is no cable connecting the earpieces. So when you hear Bluetooth earphones, there's a cable connecting the left earpiece to the right earpiece. In this case, when I say wire-free, there are no wires, no cables at all. Each earpiece is independent, so they pair to each other and to your mobile device. We've seen them already with the Apple's AirPods, with Samsung's Icon X earphones as well. And this is just the latest in a growing number of of devices that are wire-free. The Amps Amps Air earphones, uh, they're designed, of course, to uh, they sit inside a magnetic case uh, when they're charging and when you're storing them. So they can be charged when they're in the case 
uh, when you, even when you're out and about. So if, you, if you're not listening to them and they're in the case, the case actually has a, a 2,500 milliamp, 2,200 milliamp hour battery on board. So they can charge the earphones 15 times before the case itself needs to be recharged again. So uh, you're never going to be short of a charge on the move. Now, the earphones themselves... Uh, are not exactly small. They're, they're not massive, but they are about over two centimetres each one. So if you've got particularly small ears, these may not suit you. Uh, in our case, we our ears are big enough, and we we found that we had to put them in and twist them into our ear so that it would, would hold securely. It did, uh, and even with the silicon tip sort of gave us a bit of a passive noise cancellation effect as well. They're sweat-resistant, rain resistant as well so you can use them in the gym in all types of weather uh the there are on, on the case itself there are four little leds to give you the charging indicator there's nothing on the on the earphones themselves to indicate the charge level you'll just know when you've run out of battery after about three to four hours uh and the the earphones themselves uh, in terms of the fit, I've already sort of gone over that too, that the passive noise cancellation is, is really good. Uh, and it was was really hard. One, one thing I, I didn't like was that it was really hard to work out which was left and right. The L and the R are written black letter on, black letters on a black background. It was really tough to see. I actually had to use a magnifying glass to distinguish the letters. I couldn't tell just, by, just with my bare eyes. I couldn't see which was which, which was a little bit frustrating. Speaking of frustrating, the other frustration we had was pairing them. Uh, now, with these, as I said, they've got to pair to each other before they pair with your device. And we found that at first, the first four or five times we tried to listen, they were, we could only hear sound out of one. So they weren't paired to each other. So it, to, to get around that, one of the things they said to do was to double-click the button on each earpiece at the same time so they find each other. Well, after five or six attempts, it did work, and they've stayed paired ever since. So as soon as you pull them out of the charging case, they're supposed to pair to each other and then allow you to pair or remember to be paired to your phone. or It'll remember what devices it's been paired to. But once we got that out the way, uh, it, it was all systems go. Now, in terms of the sound quality, the Republic... Soul Republic amps here gave a really impressive sound. First thing you're going to notice is the heavy bass. Bass is massive. Uh, if you love bass, you're going to love these earphones. But at the top volumes, the bass tended to dominate. It really drowned out the clarity of the music. So what we found was that going three-quarter volume was the sweet spot that allowed us to enjoy the good bass, but also hear the music, hear the clarity that we liked. Now, in terms of the volume levels, one one my only issue with Apple's AirPods was even at the highest volume, they weren't very loud. So if you're in a busy street, you'd have, you may have trouble in a noisy environment. You may have trouble hearing Apple's AirPods. That wasn't an issue with the amps here. The top volumes are quite loud, but the, the downside of that was that bass, that really overpowering bass that had to be kind of put, ed, edged back a little bit so you could hear all the other stuff in your music as well. Now, these, these are meant to also be worn to make and receive phone calls. And uh, sadly, that was a disappointing part of the process here. The microphone in the amps here was pretty poor. And talking to people on the phone, they all said the same thing, that like I was talking from the other side of a tunnel. It was really hard for me to be heard. So if you plan on making a lot of phone calls with these, uh, maybe reconsider because they're not very good, very good quality to make yourself heard over the phone. 
Uh, in terms of functionality, the only functionality with the buttons was to play and pause. I thought uh, uh, to double-click on the outside of the ear earpieces would have allowed me to skip forward or maybe a triple-click to skip back. Uh, but that wasn't the case. So the, to control your music, uh, to navigate your music, you had to go back to your device. Double-clicking uh, um, activated Siri on the iPhone too, which uh, we didn't really want. We, we thought we could advance the music, and we got Siri instead, which is handy if you want Siri, but not so handy if you want to go to the next track or go to the one before. Uh, Battery-wise, as I said, about three hours of playtime, but if you've got that, uh, that Amps Air case with you, you know that if you run out of juice on the fly, you can stick them back in the case and be recharged fully in less than an hour. The Soul Republic's Amps Air, they're priced at $199.95, available in black and rose gold. And look, they sound great. Uh, they're impressively designed, but there's a couple of areas where they fall down. So it sort of detracted from my, my rating score. Uh, it made, uh, if they had have addressed those, those little issues, it would have made a pair of good earphones great. The Soul Republic Amps here. If you want to read my full review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Next up, we're talking razor blade. And I'm not talking about the razor blade you use to shave your face with or your legs with if you're a lady. The razor blade is a laptop. It's a gaming laptop that is really nicely designed. It's got a 14-inch display. It's available with a high-def display, so full HD or 4K. And it's powered by the seventh generation Intel Core i7 quad core processor. This thing's got a lot of guts, so it's going to be it's going to be great for playing games. It's got the NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1060 graphics processor, so that's handy for playing games, editing videos, and things like that, uh, and doing those intensive tasks like video editing, photo editing, and also playing your top line games. It's so powerful; it can even handle VR games as well. So if you plug in your VR headset like your HTC Vive then this device can handle all that as well. 16 gig of RAM on board and it's uh, got SSD drive, that solid state drive that can be configured up to a terabyte as well. Now it's pretty thin as well it's only 1.79 centimeters so all, all that great, those great features are housed in a pretty thin form factor and the reason for that is that it's made out of this precision cut CNC aluminium the chassis looks really nice and it keeps it all thin. The display has got a wider aspect ratio, 16 by 9 aspect ratio, and it's pretty bright as well. It's got a 350 nits brightness uh, from the LED backlight. So your games are going to pop, your videos are going to pop as well. It's going to look terrific. And if you do decide to go to the 4K display, you're going to have more than 8.2 million pixels on board, which is a lot. Color accuracy is also pretty cool and also fast response times. Games also always want fast response, so you get smooth video, blur-free gaming, and you're seeing it as it happens. No, none of this lag. You want that uh, all, at, all the time. Uh, also, what, what, another cool feature is the chroma lighting. Now, with the keyboard and the USB ports, you can actually have all these different lighting options. You can illuminate the keyboard. You can map certain keys a certain color for specific games, personalize the effects as well. There's all different modes. There's a wave mode so that it pulses like a wave. Spectrum cycling so it goes through every color. Breathing so it looks like it's fading in and out like it's breathing. Reactive so the keys, as they're pressed, react with different colors. You can have a ripple effect as well. So really a lot of fun you can have with this. Now, on the connectivity side, there's Thunderbolt 3 through the USB-C port, so you can achieve data transfer speeds of up to 40 
gigabits per second. It's a rocket. So you can connect things like a monitor, external drives. You need to move a lot of data around. Or if you want to connect it to a monitor, you know you're going to no latency at all. It's going to be pretty responsive. So what you see on the monitor is what's actually happening. Great if you want to play a game or edit a video on a larger screen as well. Now on board, Windows 10 uh, is, uh, is the operating system. And also included is the FL Studio 12, which is a really popular PC professional music production suite. You get that for free. The 14-inch razor blade is available now. It's priced from $2,799.95. So that's the base HD 256-gig uh, uh, SSD drive, but you can spec it up to more memory, 4K display, uh, as much as you want. But if you're a gamer and you do you do those sort of intense application, in, intense appli- uh, applications, if you like editing and things like that, this laptop will suit you down to the ground. The Razer Blade, you can check out our review at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos and credit card details to hackers and identity thieves? Well, Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi Privacy app. It's available for iOS and Android and just has recently been introduced for iOS and Windows. So Mac and Windows laptops can run Wi-Fi Privacy and protect your information as well. To learn more, visit au.norton.com com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Okay, the Tech Guide Help Desk. We're in a bit to get through on the Tech Guide Help Desk this week. And the first is uh, as a result of a, an incident uh, that happened on a flight uh, about a month ago. The, the reports only came out a few days ago. A woman was injured after her headphones that she was wearing on a flight from Beijing to Melbourne. The headphones exploded. She was uh, dozing uh, two hours into the flight and she had heard a loud bang and realised that it was actually the headphones that made the noise. She t- took them off her head, threw them on the ground they were sparking and burning, and, and uh, they were put in a bucket of water. Uh, the woman uh, suffered uh, singed hair and, and, and soot down her cheek and burned skin on her hands. So it's quite a frightening experience. And the explanation that the Australian Transport Safety Bureau provided, they said it was the result of the battery, not the actual headphones. The headphones, by the way, belonged to the woman. They were her headphones. But the battery inside that we believe it was a AAA cell, was uh, the culprit and the reason why the headphones blew up as they did. It wasn't an airline-issued pair of headphones. So with that in mind, this is obviously not a very common occurrence, but what can you do to protect yourself, to, to make sure this wouldn't happen to you? Well, we've put some tips up on our story on Tech Guide. Make sure that you, you batteries are stored correctly. Uh, if uh, This is another thing that, that happens to people on planes too. If your phone drops into the seat gap, you know, down the side of your seat, to, and a lot of people's first instinct is, is to recline the seat to try to find the phone. 
that's not what you should do. Advise an attendant on the flight because you moving the seat, and, and oftentimes it's electronic movement if, you're, uh, if you, your seat has that, uh, you could actually rupture the phone and the rupture the battery. So you could be in all sorts of problems. You could break the phone, bottom line. So the, these are things to, to do. Check, check your device too. Check your phone. The indication of a battery that may be in trouble is a slight bulge. If, if your phone's bulging a little bit, or uh, that, that's something to keep an, keep an eye out on. If you know that it's bulging, I'll take it to the manufacturer, where, the place where you bought it, because oftentimes the battery is sealed. We can't get inside it. So it's a good idea if you do feel a bit of a bulge in the, in the phone, take it back where you bought it from and, uh, and see what's wrong, and hopefully you'll get a new phone. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about too is I've had a few questions from, from readers and listeners asking about whether it's worth – we're saving a bit of money and buying the, the outgoing 2016 TVs or ponying up the extra cash for the 2017 TVs. Now, what one person asked, what, what are the things I'm missing out on if I go to the 2017 models? Well, what you're missing out on is just the tweaks in picture quality, improved HDR, high dynamic range, slight design changes, smart user, smart TV interface changes like software updates. But they're not monumental changes. If you're if you want to save a bit of money and buy a 2016 TV, you're going to save some dollars, and you're still going to get a bloody good TV because the differences with the 2017 TVs are not massive. There are some d- distinct differences, but in terms of huge changes to the experience and the picture quality, I think you're still going to get a good TV, even though it's got 2016 written on the back. So uh, if you are thinking of saving money and still getting a quality TV, you, you could do a deal with a 2016 television, and now's the time to buy because the 2017 models are hitting the market, and a lot of companies, a lot of stores are running out the old stock. So get in there and get a bargain. Uh, the last one for the help desk this week, I got an email from an elderly couple that says, look, we own a Mac and it's slowed down a little bit. Can you recommend a technician to come and clean it up for us? Well, I did better than that. I suggested an application that's called Clean My Mac. It's an application that I use on my desktop, on my iMac and on my my MacBook Pro. And it's a great little application. You can buy a license so that you can have it running on several different Macs. And what it does, it cleans every part of your Mac. It gets your caches and duplicated files and all this junk that lives on your Mac and can save you space on your hard drive. So it not only cleans your Mac, makes it faster, but reclaims the hard drive space. My most recent cleanup of my iMac, I got back 45 gigabytes of space after I did a cleanup. It had been a few months since I did the last cleanup, but it just goes to show how much junk can build up on your Mac. So clean my Mac. Rather than a technician, this thing can clean your Mac anytime uh, and, and on several of your Macs as well. If you want to read about all those stories that we've written about on Tech Guide, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've spoken about, of course, at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email, info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, stay safe and stay connected.